When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K-State Athletics. This is Wildcat Insider with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson and KMAN Sports Director Mitch Fortner. Okay, so but before we get to the Cats, I need, to, I need to get something off my chest here. And what is that? The, um, I'll, I'll tell you what. It's those people at Sunny 102.5. Oh, boy. Those people have decided to play Christmas music a little earlier this year. Now, here's the deal. That is unconstitutional, but I will let you go ahead and give your get your rant off your chest. Well, I, I, I can tell here by what you've said there that you lean my direction because I like to take holidays one at a time. We're still, what, 10, 11 days out from Thanksgiving, and we're already playing Christmas music on our sister station, Sunny 102.5, and online at Sunny102.5.com. Don't put the point in there on the uh, on the website. Just go 1025.com. But um, I don't know. I feel like this is just a ratings grab, right? We're selling out is here this, at Manhattan Broadcasting. Is this the Mariah Carey effect? That once we turn the calendar to November, it's all of a sudden Christmas season. And just because she's had the number one song in the world four years running during the holidays, that we just not, we got to completely change the format two weeks prior to Thanksgiving. I need my turkey first. I need my, I need my dressing, my mashed potatoes, my sweet potatoes, my rolls. Making my mouth water now. Man. I need, I need my, <laughs> I need my Detroit Lions football before I have the Christmas spirit. Welcome to Wildcat Insider, Mitch Fortner. You hear AJ Shaw on the board today. Uh, Wyatt Thompson not in studio. Good reason why, and that's because uh, getting ready for a matchup tonight between K State and South Dakota State from Bramlage Coliseum which tips off at 7.01 officially. The folk, great folks at uh, ESPN Plus giving you the minute buffer there uh, with pregame starting at 6. But Wyatt Thompson has been nice enough to join us for the first hour here of the show via the old telephone. So, Wyatt, thank you for your time. Uh, we haven't had a chance to catch up since your trip to Vegas. So even though it was an L to USC, how was the Vegas trip? You know, overall it was pretty good. Um, it was an early flight out of Austin after a very disappointing loss. So that was probably the, the down part of the, of the trip. But we got in there just fine at about 7 o'clock in the morning, uh, Las Vegas time. Um, had a real nice dinner on Sunday night with the team, which was uh, really a cool thing. A- and then saw a beautiful arena right across from the hotel. We stayed at the Park MGM. And uh, it literally was, you know, a block and a half. It was, if, if that, it was, it was great. Beautiful arena. We did, uh, there, our broadcast location was up on what I'll describe as somewhat of a concourse level, but we had good, good view of the game. And unfortunately, in case they didn't make a lot of shots, but overall the trip was good. 
Now, you gave me the uh, the time of arrival coming back from Vegas. I don't know if you've made that a public um, number or 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 stat, uh, but you were you were at the Climbing Press Conference the next day. What time did the team arrive back into Manhattan? Uh, the flight landed, according to the young lady uh, who made the announcement. Uh, local time is three twenty-four, um, just because of circumstance and what have you. And I've, I've told this uh, to a few people, so it's not a, a total secret. But I, I basically went home, uh, kind of went through my clothes, um, put some stuff away, turned the coffee pot on, had a cup of coffee with my wife, and she was uh, getting ready to leave the house early because, uh, to take a friend. Uh, a surgery that morning and uh so after she left i showered and, and came to work um so it was uh <laughs> suffice it to say by about tuesday night at 8 15 or 8 30 i was pretty out of it but uh you, you gotta you gotta keep up with the football grind and that's kind of why i did it yeah overlap season you certainly know it more than maybe anybody else that it is a grind right now for you and Broadcast teams at K State. I'm, you know, Manhattan High football unfortunately just wrapped up, but now doing PA for football and basketball. We'll talk a little bit about basketball a little bit later here. Why I'm going to try to cram as much stuff as I can with you here in this first hour. We'll talk basketball. We'll talk football. We'll preview the Jayhawks here in this first hour as well. But let's just recap the win this past Saturday over the Baylor Bears, 59 to 25. Um, you know, I, let's just start with my first takeaway. Got to go with the special team, not the special teams, the defensive touchdowns, the play of Cody Stuffel being in the strip sack. I think with the gr- with the growth of the defense, the thing that was just missing at this point was not only getting turnovers, but turning them right away into points. Can you get the defensive touchdowns? And they had two against the Bears. Yeah, that stuck out, didn't it? Uh, so eight total touchdowns on the day. Um, you probably have to dig a little bit, Mitch, to find uh, another game at least recently uh, to where you have a couple of defensive touchdowns. And I, I thought the play-by-stuff was really, really well done. And, and of course, he strips it away. Desmond Purnell um, picks it up and runs it in for a score. That was a big, big play. The other, the other thing is, is what I liked was, you know, K State started the game and like so many times that they've done this year, they went right down and scored, but then give Baylor credit. They came back and put together a pretty good little drive of their own. And it was quicker four and a half minutes uh, for the K-State drive, just, just over two minutes for Baylor. And then K-State comes right back. Um, and that was the, the Will Howard to Ben Sennett throw in the middle of the end zone there. And, uh, it, it kind of just blossomed, I guess I'll say from there. Cause I'm sitting here looking at the box score, and K-State led 21-7 uh, after one and then scored 14 points in the second, 17 points in the third, seven points in the fourth. And you look at the scoreboard at the end of the day, you don't see too many Big 12 games, at least not right now, uh, where you're you're popping you know nearly 60 points in a game in over 60 minutes. <laughs> yeah, and all season long we've seen K-State just – dominate they're scoring in the 40s every home game and you know it's the the road schedule versus the home schedule it's not the same level of difficulty k-state's had maybe more of a softer schedule at home but they've taken advantage of that but without the defensive touchdowns you don't have the big number of 59 points and i was a little bit surprised that the Cavs were throwing it a little bit more in the fourth quarter than i was expected even with avery johnson um in the game but speaking of throwing the football how about Will Howard, three touchdown passes. He has a new record. 
the new record holder for touchdowns in a career passing for K-State? You know, that is a lot um, on the plate there because when when that happened, I, I think, you know, a lot of people were pretty reflective on, you know, several things, frankly. One, how many good quarterbacks have played here. Uh, the guy he passed uh, spent a little time in the NFL, Josh Freeman. Uh, I'm sure you saw the video tribute with all of the former players and current players mm-hmm. congratulating Will, and he got very emotional about it. And um, <laughs> I could not be happy for the guy, man, because he, he just has just – he's been a warrior the whole time he's been here. He's done everything he could possibly do to improve as a player and, and be, uh, you know, just a, a great teammate and all of that. And I, I thought that stuck out in the video. So there were a lot of things that, that came to mind. But, uh, man, it was, it was good to see him do it at home. And you were talking about home. I just figured it up. K-State – uh, in six home games, averaging forty-three point or forty-five point three points per game. That that's good, isn't it? Oh, I mean, pure yeah. pure yeah. domination. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, previous to that, I believe I don't have my numbers. Those these particular numbers in front of me, they're in my PowerCat Game Day folder. I forgot to bring it with me, but I believe K State was average. Their margin of victory in the five previous home games was thirty-three points. And K State wins by twenty nine. Uh, am I doing my math? No, I'm not. They won by thirty four points. There we go. So they're right on average. Well, I, I think what you said a moment ago, though, is, is accurate. In, in that, you know, most of the harder, tougher games have been on the road this year, and it doesn't always work out that way. But I think you're also accurate in the, that K State has such a home field advantage now with what is it, 14 straight sellouts, I think, dating back to last year. I mean, they were starting to just, um, you know, I don't know if take it for granted is the right way, but it's such a home field advantage that people just don't like coming here because they know how hard it is. And and um, I, I just appreciate how hard they play, how much they appreciate the fans and how they're there week in and week out. 12 touchdowns, one interception for Will Howard over the last four games. Uh, that one interception was not his fault. That's all after uh, kind of getting benched in the Texas Tech game for the hot hand and Avery Johnson and then the uh, three interceptions against Oklahoma State uh, back in uh, – that was the first game there in uh, in October. Got a couple of numbers here for you that were kind of brought up earlier, so – the 59 points scored by K-State is the most since the Florida Atlantic game, which was back in 2016. And then, White, you brought up, you, did, you didn't remember the last time K-State had multiple defensive touchdowns in a game. I don't have that, but I can tell you the last time K-State had multiple non-offensive touchdowns in the game. And K-State had three against the Kansas Jayhawks in 2020, the COVID year, where he had two punt returns okay. by Phil Brooks, and then the pick six – uh, which was a great play by Justin Gardner, is the last oh, time that happened. That one. I, yeah. rem- I will always remember the, the Phillip Brooks game uh, against Kansas on the returns. Because now that you want to talk about a rarity, that's a rarity. But I, I'd forgotten about the pick six, to be honest. <laughs> so back to back. Yeah. Yeah. Back to back years, K State with a pick six uh, in a season. Um, and also. 131 non-offensive touchdowns. If you read the notes as much as White and I do, there's the stats been in there for such a long time. Non-offensive touchdowns in college football since 1999. K-State has led in that category for a long time. That number is now to 131 
um, the most in the nation. Um, sticking with the offense, and I just kind of want to get this update here on on Phil Brooks. Also in the notes, you'll see that Phil Brooks has played 63 career games. That is believed to be the most ever by a K-State Wildcat. Now, he didn't... He didn't score in the game. He had just 41 yards, but he had five catches on the game. Five catches, the most of any cat against Baylor. I just want to get your thoughts on the way Phillip Brooks has been playing the last couple of weeks, last three weeks, because Kleiman said that he's playing now at an elite level. Well, I think that's totally accurate. And and I, you know what? <laughs> I think if you think about this for a second and you take in – last week, the Texas game, and maybe the game or two games prior to that, think about all of the really, really hard catches he made. Um, I, I don't remember if it, I think, let me look at my schedule here, because I think it was, was it the Houston game where he just, I mean, he caught the ball and just got rocked right in the middle of the field as he caught it. Am I right on that? I think so. I mean, how do you hang on to that? And I, I think that's the point here that, you know, uh, yes, he's been around uh, as a six-year guy. Uh, but, boy, when these games get hard and, and you're towards the end of the year and you're a little bit worn out, uh, to, to have the, the mental state that he has to make those hard catches, I, I would say probably is not real easy, but he continues to do it. And it, it really sticks out on a group that is starting to be pretty efficient um, and, and better, uh, you know, throwing the ball offensively. And, and, and again, I think it's it's Phil, but it's also Ben Sennett, it's Garrett Oakley, it's Keegan Johnson. It's, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? I mean, yep. more guys are taking part now. That's kind of what we were hoping back in August. Uh K-State now has two uh, players with over 500 yards receiving this year. Phillip Brooks now the leading receiver at 554. He also has the most touchdowns of all receivers with five on the year. And Ben Sinnott with 501 yards receiving. He has four touchdowns of, on the year. It's amazing. It, quite interesting in this game because you mentioned it, Why K-State scores eight touchdowns in the game, two on defense. K-State throws for four touchdowns. Not a single one was to a wide receiver. He had a couple of... Uh, of tight ends, you had a fullback and a running back that scored the receiving touchdowns for for Casey. I just thought that was a an interesting note there. I guess it is. Yeah, it, go it ahead. is a little bit different too. But boy, you got I mean Garrett Oakley starting to come come around a little bit, and it, I'm so excited about that. But all you know, Ben is playing at a terrific level too right now. Ben Sennett, and again, when you combine that with with Phil and his toughness and experience, I mean, it's 60, 60 plus games, man. That's I can't imagine anybody that's ever played more. I know Brian Lackey's researched that to to the point where there's no real other place to look. You know how you do when you assume, right? But we're, we're certainly assuming that uh, no one has ever done it longer because you know most guys aren't around six years, and uh, there have been a few that have done it recently, but 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 not like that. <laughs> I, I appreciate Bill on that a lot couple more notes I just want to rattle off before we take a break, Wyatt. Um, for K-State's defense, they got to, back to a couple of numbers. I was really happy to see, you know, away from the, the, the turnovers force, which they got three fumble recoveries um, in there as well. Eight tackles for loss. I like to see that. Three sacks in the game. Two from Cody Stuffel being his first two of his career and the first of the career for 
uh, Colby McAllister. K-State stops, I'm kind of jumping all over here, but K-State stops Baylor on fourth down four times, and they went for it eight times. You know, under Dave Aranda, that's not a shock, but they also threw the kitchen right. sink there at K-State um, with a you know, f- fake field goal, an onside kick. They were trying to do what they could to create some chaos and, and stay in the game. Plus, K-State's defense holding Baylor just 2.4 yards per carry. We knew Baylor wouldn't be good at running the football, and they were not. Um, with the exception, I would say, of Dominic Richardson, who wasn't too bad. Everybody else uh, struggled against the K-State defensive front, uh, who had another great game. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, uh, let's stick with football. As I said, we got Wyatt for an hour, so we're trying to cram a lot in here. We'll talk Kansas Jayhawks, the 121st meeting of the Sunflower Showdown. We'll discuss KU when we come back on Wildcat Insider. We are back on Wildcat Insider. Mitch Fortner, the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, joining us via the phone. And uh, AJ Sean, the board today, the phone number 537-1350. Could take some phone calls uh, in hour number two. Uh, speaking of an hour number two, we're actually going to wrap up this show. I recorded an interview earlier today with Brad Newitt, who is a 1996 graduate of K-State, but he's also the color analyst of South Dakota State. So I talked to him earlier today. We caught up about his time at K-State. He was a former basketball um, student manager during the Ski Jones days. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that, plus what to expect from South Dakota State. Also, Mitch Palm coming up at 510. We'll talk basketball here in a little while uh, with Wyatt here in hour number one. But Wyatt, uh, continuing the discussion about football, the Kansas Jayhawks and K-State will be re- uh, will both have the same overall record at 7-3, and three, but KU a game back of the Cats in the Big 12 standings. Now, K-State still has a shot at making the Big 12 championship. We'll talk about those scenarios coming up in hour number two. Uh, but I just want to get your general thoughts of KU, who are 7-3. and three. They're 4-3 and three in Big 12 play. They were ranked as high as 16th in the nation, but they just lost to uh, Texas Tech 16-13. Obviously, a big d- part of that was because of Jason Bean getting hurt. So what are your thoughts on the Jayhawks? Well, I, I think we've said it all season long that they are a very, very fine football team, and they've, they've really grown in a lot of areas. But I think we saw at the end of last year, and that's permeated into this year, that offensively they're very, very good. I mean, I've been looking at them all season long, but when you when you start to study the numbers, uh, they they are in the neighborhood uh, on a lot of this stuff with K-State. I mean, they're averaging almost 33 points a game. They rush for almost 200 yards a game. They throw it for about 225. They're good on third down. They're just okay on fourth down. Red zone offense, they're they're pretty solid. That's not like K-State's numbers, but good. And, and I think personnel-wise, probably the most underrated thing on their football team, from my personal opinion, uh, up and above and beyond Jason Bean, is because I, I don't think he gets enough run over there for what he's done. Taking over for Jalen Daniels, he just shows up every week and wins games. That's that's impressive, but above and beyond that is their offensive line. I, I really feel like they have really come along. Now, a bunch of those guys have been there a long time and, and should improve and get better you know, with experience, and, and they've done that. So when you put that quarterback with that line and then with some of the – you know, their, their top two running backs are as good as most, and Devin Neal and Daniel Hyshaw. And the, and the receivers are good, and, and like K State, they use a boatload of tight ends. So, 
offensively they're good. And but two, I have to say this: they're they're just playing a lot better defense this year. They just are. They're giving up, you know, a little less than 390 yards a game uh, defensively, and that's pretty legitimate in Big 12 football right now, buddy. You brought up the offensive line, and I thought that was a good point. I mean, I, I think we knew that about KU. They should be very solid on the offensive line. They had a first-teamer last year on the O-line. Give you some rushing numbers for KU. I mean, KU's rushing numbers are very similar to K-State's. Uh, KU, K-State averaging 202 on the ground per game. KU 199. K-State scored 25 touchdowns on the ground. KU 23 touchdowns. KU has a slight edge. Uh, when it comes to rushing yards per carry at 5.2, K-State 5.0. Very similar numbers, but also let me give you some sack numbers here because obviously K-State, we've seen this over the weeks that they want to get pressure on the quarterback. Well, it's not easy to get pressure on the quarterback, especially in the passing downs because KU's been so good at it. KU has only given up 13 sacks this year. That is fourth best in the Big 12. K-State's given up 16. So, yeah, I think you brought up a good point there, Wyatt. That's going to be tough to get after whoever the quarterback is to try to get him down on those passing downs. You know, the other thing I have to say, and, and this is just one guy's opinion, but one thing that was impressive in watching their game, and I'll probably watch it at least one other time, if not a couple, is that uh, on Saturday in the loss to Tech, which I think we were all surprised by, frankly. But but when Bean went down, I was impressed with what Cole Ballard did coming in and playing with poise. He wasn't perfect. Don't, don't misunderstand. But for a freshman who had not really done a whole heck of a lot and had not thrown a pass, you could tell he was, had been well coached. I mean, he, he just was trying to manage the game and, and I thought did a pretty good job. So, yeah, I, I again am repetitive saying this here, but I think everybody recognizes that you know they're very well coached. Coach Leipold in three years has done a very very nice job. I was looking at those numbers. He's fifteen and twenty, okay, and uh, in the league in his time there, they're eight and seventeen. But I think everybody would recognize how much more competitive they've been last year and this compared to year one. Now, I think Brian Smoller mentioned this on the uh, HD. TV uh, post game show on, on the video boards that because of the loss to Texas Tech, KU still has not won three straight conference games since 2007. Is that right? Do you know? Yeah, I, I think that's it, it, that's the one that pops into my mind. I, I'm, okay. I'm going to give Brian the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I'm sure he probably got that right. And I think to me, that sounds correct. Yeah. So we were talking. Yeah, I, yeah it, it's crazy. Well, and the thing is, you know, if Jason Bean doesn't get hurt, I would assume that KU will, will win that game. But Cole Boward, this, you know, true fright, if you look at the QBR, actually Cole Boward was technically better than Baron Morton, which is, it shouldn't be that way because Baron Morton is way more experienced and Cole Boward goes 9 of 20 and he throws an interception. I You know, yes, KU battled back. They made it, they tied it up in less, less than a minute to go and Texas Tech goes right down the field and gets the game-winning field goal. I think I'm with you. I think for the most part, actually, KU actually may have outplayed Texas Tech. I mean, drop passes, the offense just wasn't moving for Texas Tech. I will say this, though, and this is the part that surprised me. For three quarters, for Texas Tech to shut that team out, I don't care who the quarterback is, yeah. that's a feat, especially on the road. Um uh, I just thought that they were really rough. And you know what? It, it it probably should have been more than 13 to nothing, don't you think? Yeah. 
I mean, they had a couple of opportunities. Now, not that KU didn't either, because KU went for it on a fourth down one time late uh, in the first half and, and really didn't come close to making the first down. But, uh, you know, Tech's got good personnel. I think we, we all understand that. So, yeah, but it, it was uh, that was a pretty good effort to, to shut those guys down with, with their people that we've talked about personnel-wise. And then uh, Coach Colson-Nick has done a nice job coordinating that offense for sure. Well, I you know I can't speak for all K State fans, but I can tell you my uh, my emotions about this game didn't matter if it was this week or two weeks ago or a month or two months ago. That you know this this game has been circled on the calendar as a, a tough game to go win. Um, oh, now, yeah. now a, a quarterback, you know, if Jason Bean, Leipold said it earlier today, Jason Bean did not practice today or yesterday, but is very optimistic about him playing. You know, Jalen Daniels has not been seen other than in a uniform in one game since the Texas game. He has not been on the field. With Jason being a quarterback, if he is the guy, I mean, how – I mean, are you nervous about the game? Are you a little bit worried? I mean, what's your just general feeling about this the, the game, the situation, and the pressure? Well, I go back to what I said before. He, he really has – I think there were a lot of people that were surprised that he even came back, to be honest with you. Uh, this guy's been around a while, as you know. He's, he spent three years at North Texas. Um, he, he's been behind uh, Daniels here and, and yet uh, hung around. And uh, it, It's hard being <clears throat> excuse me, the backup guy, but I, I just admire. I mean, the guy's 60% completion rate, 10 touchdowns, four picks. He, he can run the ball a little bit. But he, he spins it, and, and with their ability to run it and throw it, 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 it creates. And here's the other factor that, you know, I'm sure most people talk about them is just the pre-snap stuff. They drive you crazy with all of the motions and all of the different things they do. and uh, they're, they're a pretty hard team to prepare for. Yeah, one other thing about uh, KU is that they have punted it the least amount of times of all Big 12 teams. KU has only punted 25 times this year. Uh, K-State, just to kind of give you a perspective, K-State's punted it 37 times this year. So KU can be a tough team to get off the field with a punt. All right, Wyatt, let's take a break. By the way, kickoff Saturday at 6 o'clock, Powercat game day, 2 in the afternoon as the game will be played in Lawrence. We'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll recap Bellarmine on Friday, and we'll take a look at South Dakota State when we come back on Wildcat Insider. We are back, Wildcat Insider Mitch Fortner, the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson, joining us via the phone as he's going to call K-State hoops against South Dakota State. Uh, tonight from Bramblage Coliseum, tipping off at 7, pregame starts at 6 here on K-Man. Last time out for the Cats, they played Friday night against Bellarmine, and they won that game to get their first one of the year, 83-75. to Why well, I want to start with that game. I was not there. I was calling Manhattan High. Uh, Derby at the same time, you know, I can I can look at the numbers and give you some opinions, but I wasn't there. I didn't get the feel of the game, didn't watch the game. So I'd love to know just your takeaways, your thoughts, what stood out to you in the win over Bellarmine. Usually I will not answer a question like that um, the way you're going to hear this one answered. And that's starting from the Bellarmine perspective. I really enjoyed watching those guys play be honest with you, Mitch, they were really well coached. They had a lot of experience, uh, a, a lot of kids that knew how to play. And, and I shouldn't say a lot of kids, but about seven or eight guys that were really, really good. 
knew how to frustrate um, K-State. They just kind of kept plugging along. You know, they were down 19 or 20, a couple, two or three different times. Next thing you know, they're back to within nine or 11 or whatever, just a hard team to put away. So I compliment them in their style first and foremost. I, I think at their level, they're going to be a handful just because of their experience. Now, if you want to talk about what was good for K-State and, and what you know needs some improvement, I think offensively there, there was a, a step forward. I um, love the fact that Day-Day Ames had a stretch there in the first half where he really shot the ball well. He and RJ, I think, are going to be very, very fine guys. K-State continues to rebound on the offensive end and overall rebound pretty well. Uh, but, but let's let's if, if if you are going to talk about the good, you also have to say, okay, the improvement needs to come where. Well, one is they've given up a boatload of points to paint, and their defense has a ways to go yet. Um, I'm, I'm sure you would agree with that. I mean, you've seen them enough to know that uh, they've got a little ways to go there for sure. I'm surprised in the first two games, we really haven't seen, everybody calls him Buddy, I guess, but right now as the uh, PA, I'm just saying um, Michaela Rich. Uh, yeah. Seen him play, actually, I don't think he played at all um, against Bellarmine and played a little bit against um, USC. Is that just, maybe we just expecting that'll be a red shirt coming here sooner or later whenever Tomlin gets back? I think that's probably uh, the scenario. I, I think it'd be as easy to say it this way. Um, if Naquan comes back, I think they're definitely looking at a red shirt. Uh, that's off the table if, if Quan doesn't come back. That's probably a pretty obvious statement, I think. Okay. Tyler Perry goes uh, four of nine from three, 18 points. He also grabbed four rebounds, had five assists, just one turnover. Do you feel like he played a much more start-to-finish better game against Bellarmine? Yeah, very much so. I think he is a young man who really has a lot of talent on the offensive end of the floor. And I, I think he's growing uh, into this system, which is a little bit different and a lot <laughs> faster. Uh, so uh, I, I think he forced a little bit the other night uh, in the USC game in Vegas, but just paid with a, played, I should say, with a little better pace uh, and, and got a couple of shots down early. I think that helped him. It, it wasn't as well as he can shoot it, but I thought he was better. Uh, and that, when, when you combine that with what Dede did, um, and, you know, Cam's taken a really big step. I think he had 17 the other night. And if I'm being honest with you, Mitch, I thought it was a pretty quiet 17, honestly. He, did, he, he, played, a, he played a solid game on both ends of the floor. Now, another play I want to ask about is David Gasson. Um he had 10 rebounds against USC, nine against Bellarmine. His season high last year was eight. So I, just from what you've seen him do, has there been a change to his game, or is it just simply he's playing more minutes right now? Well, I think he's playing more minutes, and but I also think he's playing more consistently, and I think the effort on the glass is there too. I, I think it's pretty obvious when you watch David. He's a really long lean athletic guy who can run and, and he can do some things with his athleticism. And I think if he wants to be a, a you know, a quality rebounder, he can, he can be because it's quickness and his length. Um, yeah. He's going to get shoved around by, you know, bigger guys here occasionally, but uh, I think you mentioned the numbers there. He's done a really nice job uh, rebounding so far. Um, 
and, and clearly above the level he was at last year. I think you have to be pretty tickled with that. I think the thing that's frustrated Coach Tang in, in the two games, K-State's done a terrific job on offensive rebounding, but <laughs> they haven't had enough points to show for it with those you know, second-chance points, and I think they hope to be better at that tonight, and that will be a challenge because this South Dakota State team has a couple of big guys that are pretty, pretty active and decent. Why? Before we continue this conversation, we just got a call. There has been a uh, there has been an accident uh, involving a propane truck in the twenty one hundred block of Deep Creek Road. So, if you need to get to that through that area, uh, you're gonna have to find an alternate route for right now. Please stay away from that area while uh, the um, the accident is uh, getting cleared. So, once again, there's an accident involving a propane truck in the twenty one hundred block of Deep Creek Road. So, try to avoid that area. Uh, if possible. Um, your thoughts on Arthur Kaluma through two games, six points against USC was not really a scoring threat after the first five minutes of that game. And then he scores 12 and he hits a three against Bellarmine. What's your, been your thoughts on him? Well, I, I think uh, coach Tang kind of said it all uh, in his post game presser. Um, after visiting with us on the network, he, he goes in and does a, a press conference and somebody asked him about him and he said he wants him to be more cut in, which basically, <laughs> let me translate that the way I see it, I, uh, uh, whether that's right or whether it's wrong, I, I think Coach wants more of him in so many ways. Leadership, toughness, defense, rebounding, more consistent offense. And here's the reason why I simply stated, he's got it in it. I think he's just learning a different style, much like what we said, uh, and, and pace. But more pace, in all honesty, with, with TP as opposed to Arthur. Um, I, I think uh, Arthur, once he kind of gets used to you know, this, this style and what have you, he's got all the, the athletic talent in the world. I, I wouldn't say that he's a great shooter, but Mitch, I think he'll be a double-digit scorer just on making a few shots because of his abilities. And then if he does those, uh, I'll call it, you know, poor man buckets, you know, where you get a tip in or you get an offensive rebound and a stick back. He, he is so capable of doing those kind of things multiple times in games. All right, why before we wrap up basketball, thoughts on uh, South Dakota State? This could be a tourney team. Well, it's an interesting team because, yes, you're right. I, I think they feel like they are absolutely a tournament team. They're the favorite to win the Summit. Uh, they've got a really a uh, couple of pieces that are quite unique and and Zeke Mayo you'll want to watch him tonight he's a guard 6'4 had 28 points in each game in their first two he's from Lawrence believe it or not <laughs> Rodney uh, has the scout coach Perry he was telling me today at the shoot around that he recruited him during his time at UNKC which is now called Kansas City of course because he's a really fine player and a three-level scorer so you'll want to watch him he'll wear number two and then the, the two big guys up front are a little bit unique and, and different, but they're very tough and very active. Um, Will, William Kyle is a 6'9", 230-pound sophomore who blocked 38 shots last year, plays above the rim, just a good quality athlete. And then Luke Apple is, is a wide body, 6'8", 240, a guy who's been around a while, uh, left-handed, crafty, tough. Um, so, you know, they're, they're going to want to be in attack mode. I, I think at their level, they will be a handful for sure. And, and they'll give K-State some issues tonight. Now, K-State's more athletic and, and deeper for sure. If, if South Dakota State has a, a little hiccup at the moment, it might be that uh, in particular because Matt Mims is going to be out for a little while and a 
a little issue with, a, with his foot. I think he has a broken bone in his foot and will miss some time. But this is, this is a good basketball team to play early. Speaking with the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson via the phone. He's got the call tonight from Bramlage, 7 o'clock. Tip pregame at 6 right here on K-Man, K-State against South Dakota State. We take a final break of hour number one. We'll finish up with taking a look back at last week in Big 12. All right, let's wrap up the hour, Wyatt, with talking Big 12 football from this past Saturday. We got to start with the game in Orlando because number 15 Oklahoma State goes to UCF and loses 45-3. First of all, that's a big break for K-State when it comes to chances to going to Arlington, but the results of that game were the complete opposite of what I predicted. You know that as well as anybody. They've just been playing terrific football, running the ball. It was a rainy game, but but I think what played out really more than, than the rain or you know maybe OSU's downfall was how well uh, UCF uh, played, especially offensively. And you know this too; they are very much a momentum team. When things are going their way, they can be hugely hugely dangerous, and that's that's how that one played out on Saturday down in, in uh, Orlando. Yeah, coming up at 520, I'll give you the latest Big 12 championship scenarios for K-State. You would be surprised actually how in favor it is of K-State getting to Arlington. Just a few things obviously have to go K-State's way still. Uh, Meanwhile, how about the game in Fort Worth? Number number seven, Texas going to TCU. You know, this has actually very similar results to how K-State Texas finished up. That's because TCU was down so big and they nearly pulled it off. They did, and and I think their coaches love their fight from what I read and, and saw and heard. Um, and, and this is a, a tough one for Texas from the standpoint of, you know, they have not played well recently against TCU, so they had their feathers ruffled, so to speak, <laughs> to kind of put a, a good game together and, and finally beat TCU, and they did that. It was a little bit on the costly side, however, because Jonathan Brooks tore his ACL in the game and will be lost for the remainder of the year now they do have Baxter back there and he's a heck of a player but losing Jonathan Brooks really hurt Texas TCU scored 20 points in the fourth quarter they end up losing by three I think we could squeeze one more game in there we'll see here but um, you know this is another result I didn't expect it to be that big of a win for Oklahoma but they hosted West Virginia Mountaineers trying to stay within tied for second in the Big 12 they go to Norman with Oklahoma's about a 10-point favorite, and, and, I mean, the Sooners rolled after giving up a touchdown, 59-20. to 20. That was a huge game for Dylan Gabriel through the air. You know, he's really been pretty good all season long, hasn't he? He, he didn't play that well in the game in Lawrence, and I think it cost them. Uh, but, but he's been rock solid. I, I think you could say that he has a legitimate chance to be a guy who gets quite a bit of votes for – uh, player of the year in the conference offensively. I don't know if you, I assume you would agree with that. He's, he's been that good. Um, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But um, <laughs> I, I think the, the fact that West Virginia isn't quite where they need to be offensively probably caught up with them a little bit in that because lots of pressure on that defense. And that's hard against OU and Norman. Dylan Gabriel with 423 yards and five passing touchdowns and a 59 to 20 victory over West Virginia. Uh, Wyatt, we're, we're about an hour out from the uh, top of the hour, so this is where I will let you go. I really appreciate your time, and we'll see you in about an hour from Ramlage. 
That sounds good, partner. Be careful traveling over. We'll yes. see you shortly. Yes, sir. That's the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson. You'll hear him at uh, 6 o'clock. Pre-game coverage for K-State and South Dakota State from the Octagon and Doom. A couple of more finals real quick. How about Cincinnati? They finally got their first win in Big 12 play. They do so at Houston. Final score 24-14. Emory Jones, a buck 31 through the air. And a, uh, a touchdown at Cincinnati, now 3-7 and seven on the year, 1-6 and six in Big 12 play. And by the way, Iowa State going to Provo really needed this win to stay in the hunt for a Big 12 championship game. They do so in blowout fashion, 45-13. Give credit to Rock, Rocco Becht, 203 yards, but he had two touchdowns through the year. Jalen Knoll had nearly 100 yards, and he had the two receiving touchdowns. For Iowa State, the Cyclones are now 6-4, and 5-2 and two in Big 12 play. Hour number two, Mitch Palm against South Dakota State. Coming up next, Wildcat Insider. Football here on Wildcat Insider.